Welcome, folks. This is Mark Steiner, and welcome to our latest podcast. We've been really wrestling with what to do and how to address everything that's erupted since the Harvey Weinstein incident, incident, incidents issue uh, hit the papers and hit the media and has created a storm, the Me Too storm. And we want to kind of address this over the coming weeks in different podcasts with different people in different ways uh, and didn't want to wait. And we're starting today with that podcast. I've gotten so much feedback on Facebook from the thing, a short piece I, I uh, posted uh, that just moved me to post this right after it happened. Um, and as the basis of my thinking about where we are, let me just read it to you all, and then we'll introduce you to our guests and leap into um, this conversation. Me Too. The Me Too campaign in the wake of Harvey Weinstein is so important. I, too, was sexually assaulted when I was young. I, too, have not always challenged other men with their behavior, words, and deeds. I, too, in my past, have done things that were harassing. Almost every woman I'm close to, who I love, who's part of my family and world, has been sexually assaulted, attacked, and or horribly harassed. We need a massive turnout in the streets to say, enough is enough. We break now with thousands of years of old domination and legacy of patriarchy and misogyny. Don't let, the thing, don't let these things go by. Stand up. Say something. Do something to confront it when it rears its filthy head. Me too. So I share that just because I felt I needed to share that on Facebook and also with, uh, as part of this discussion that we have to wrestle with. In studio now is, is Brittany Oliver. She is the founding director of Not Without Black Women, formerly Hollowback Baltimore. Brittany, good to have you back in the studio. Great. Thank you for having me. Maura Callahan is with us, a writer for the City Paper, co-writer of Abuse and Accountability in the Art Scene, A Reckoning, along with Rebecca Kirkman, who is also a co-writer of Abuse and Accountability in the Art Scene, A Reckoning, and Baltimore City Paper Visual Arts Editor. And Maura and Rebecca, good to have you all in the studio as well. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having us. Kind of sad we're doing this also kind of the, in the waning days of the of the City Paper. But yeah. Yep. Maybe new things will erupt. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? So let me just start with, I mean, let me start with the article that you all wrote, just to get bringing that back to light, uh, which you was published in August. It was a pretty intense piece, a long piece, mm-hmm. for, for most newspapers anyway, yeah. uh, about the, the, the kind of abuse that takes place inside our DIY, DIY community. DIY community. DIY. DIY, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and so let's talk about, because people, because... Things are always like, like under the under the surface; they're never out. So, talk about the article, the piece you all wrote, and why you had to put it the way you put it, and what it meant. Well, I'm, we wrote it um, because um, I mean, we'd always heard stories um, and also seen things firsthand the way that um, men in the scene have. Um, treated other artists um women artists in particular um and it kind of gets swept under the rug because um i mean allowances are made for men but um allowances are especially made in a lot of cases for male artists because um you know they're geniuses so called or uh they um bring so much to the community and so it's not worth taking that away to protect women um because women are of less worth than whatever they create. And we got fed up with it and it kind of all bubbled to the surface. So we decided to 
go for it. Yeah. Yeah, plus one thing that comes up in these conversations that we see a lot of, especially on social media, is like what can be done to stop this problem or like what can be done to bring accountability. Um, and so we wanted the piece to focus a lot or like have a have a strong section that is not at all prescriptive, but expo- more exploratory on like the idea of accountability and like what that can look like. And honestly, we don't have like a ton of good examples of that because so as Mara said, of like accountability. Yeah, of accountability. Um, I mean, just in general in the world, it's it's hard to find like really concrete examples of like, oh yeah, this organization handled this situation really well. Um, it's because it's really messy and complicated often, but also because these issues, as Mara mentioned, like get swept under the rug. Or you hear so many. Ex- I mean, in all, in a lot of these Me Too posts lately, I've seen people talking about women talking about harassment they've experienced at work, and they say, "I did." I did report it to HR and nothing was done and the person who harassed me is still um, still there. Nothing happened. And that is, you know, that's something that needs to change too. Right. I'm going to get into that in a deeper way. And, and Brittany, I'm glad you're here as well. I mean, so to, I mean, talk about it from your perspective. I, mean, I think that, it, that uh, uh, the, the organization that just began, Not Without Black Women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that one of the reasons why that article, um, it was really important is because I think that there's a lot of silence around these issues, especially um, for the black community, especially around activists and social justice spaces in Baltimore. Um, and so it, w- it when I saw it, it was a lot of my friends um, were sharing it and it, it kind of almost made me think there needs to be some kind of a blueprint or something that's created um, an, an a accountability mechanism um, for different communities to be able to use. Um, and so Not Without Black Women um, is a movement of everyday women who aim to radically uplift our voices through self-expression, dialogue, and sisterhood. And we do that through mentoring, community service, collaborative partnerships, and as well as political advocacy. And so rape culture uh, for black women in Baltimore is one of the issues that we're going to be taking on. A lot of um, the foundational work um, that I've been able to be a part of was when I was formerly co-directing Hollaback Baltimore. Um, So that kind of, um, and doing that work um, was really impactful. Um, But I also understand the differences of when it comes to black women and our issues. So um, that is what the organization started, um, is going to be focusing on, in addition to working with other organizations and other people who support black women as well. So I think the article was just a wonderful, a wonderful piece. Um, and I like, I, I would like to be a part of amplifying that more. What does that mean? It means writing about it more, documenting it, talking about it, um, not being encouraging women and other um, because I do understand that women aren't the only ones who deal with sexual violence and abuse. So encouraging people to come out about it and talk about it and connecting them to the resources um, that's available because Baltimore City is not a an, an, a community that lacks resources. You know, it's because it's. <clears throat> We were talking before we walked into the studio about something happened with this Weinstein explosion. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to explore a little bit with you all why you think it has exploded in such a way. I mean, it, you know, because we've, the Bill Cosby erupted, mm-hmm. other people's stories have erupted. 
But something happened with this particular incident, and the media picked it up, that just created a surge among women especially to stand up and go, mm-hmm. start speaking out. I mean, what, what, do you, what do you think happened this time? I, I really don't know why this is different, but I think <clears throat> maybe if anything it has to do with the number of women, um, but also just the range of ways Harvey Weinstein's abuse manifested. It, he made microaggressions towards women and he raped women. Um, and I think because there are so many stories, so many very detailed specific stories that came out, it resonated with a lot of women. Um, you know, they heard things that ha- ex- happened to them exactly with their employers or um, their even their um, partners. And um, I think maybe because it just connected with so many women, that's why it blew up. But it's also like Harvey Weinstein resembles so many men, so many powerful men. Um, so I'm still kind of scratching my head over why why him. Yeah, I think, yeah, I agree with all that. And like, um, I mean, maybe also Hollywood has something to do with it or something. Um, like, it's a, I mean, but also, you know, Bill Cosby is a very famous person and uh, several others <coughs> that we know about. Um, so I don't know. I do think, yeah, I do think the Weinstein... Um, story and what he did it does show this sort of like continuum or, or spectrum or whatever of like um, horrible behaviors often directed towards women but not always but in his case it was directed towards women I guess and and so yeah it does show and it and it highlights a lot of the complexities of the issue and like you know for example um, is it Asia Argento mm-hmm. she like her story in particular like um, I read her like account in the New Yorker um, she talks about her first experience with him in the hotel room and and she her just her her narrative and her telling her own story is really powerful and moving and horrible and you know to me it was very difficult to read and to also hear her sort of say how it affects her to this day and then she also says she later engaged in like consensual acts with him and that's a whole complex thing too that's really difficult to unpack how um, a person you know would, you know, just have this really complicated relationship with someone who also hurt them initially? I think, um, so I would I would guess that Donald Trump, a lot of the, um, you know, during the election, I think that people have been angered, have been holding in their anger since that happened. A lot of different people, not just women, men, all types of folks. And so, and so, um, what makes this different, I think, from um, the Bill Cosby's or the Nate Parker's, I guess, from a black woman's perspective, is just that black women have been dealing with these issues and kind of keeping this stuff in for a really long time. And um, and so the relationships with powerful men, right, mm-hmm. um, we all understand, like, what that looks like and what that means and how that feels. And it's, I think it's the political climate. I think it's, um, for better or for worse, I think that that is encouraging people to really um, think twice about what we're doing here and how much of um, how much more work we need to do. That's why the Me Too movement um, was so important 
to me because it actually, as much as it hurts, as much as it, um, it requires a level of vulnerability that I don't think I've ever given before. Mm-hmm. And um, even now as we're sitting here talking about it, I'm feeling really, you know, flustered about it. Um, but it's important and, um, and it's, it's also motivation for me and other people to speak out about it and continue to push it, especially drive, just really drive it home here in Baltimore because I don't think that national, um, a lot of times when you do this work, you can criticize um, national politics and national issues, but that national issue helped me think of ways of how to deal with it locally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because we're always talking about local politics is key. Okay, so let's deal with it locally then. Uh, I think dealing with it locally is important because this is where we are. I mean, <laughs> and right. to, to, to confront it here. Uh, we can get theoretical about it and talk about but but I mean, dealing with it right now yeah. and in all aspects of where we live and who we are, mm. I think is... It's kind of we're at a really critical place here. This is, I mean, it's it's it's. it's I heard what you just said, Brittany, and I think that I can feel it from everyone I've read and talked to over the last couple of weeks. The difficulty in dealing with this and come coming out for a better term, mm-hmm. better or a better word about whether what, what everybody has experienced, what every woman has experienced. I, I say every woman because. You know, like we said before, there's this, there all these studies that said <clears throat> one out of three women, or one out of whatever number that is, women have experienced sexual assault or abuse. And every time I hear that stat, I wonder, what kind of bull is that? Mm-hmm. I mean, one out of what? Mm-hmm. How about nine out of ten? How about almost every woman on the planet? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, <clears throat> that's how deep it goes. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's, so the question is how, I think men have to wrestle with how we grab hold of this moment as well, but how do we, yeah. How do we grab hold of this moment? Yeah. And I think it's really complicated and I keep <clears throat> going back and forth because I'm like on one hand and I've heard a lot of I've heard a lot of people echo this, but like some for some people the and for me sometimes too, the Me Too posts and the whole like just talking about abuse all the time is really triggering and like mm. really difficult emotionally. Um <clears throat> and um and I've heard critiques that are like, Well, this movement isn't so good because it places the onus back onto the survivor to get people to care and change the situation and I hear that. But it's also like, Well, if if we don't talk about what has been done to us, how does anyone know? Mm-hmm. Um but also also it's like <laughs> we're I mean we're talking about how this we've known all these things and we hear these stories all the time. Why is Weinstein blowing up? Why is the, why is this all happening right now? So I'm just sort of rambling, but I don't know. I am sort of like kind of still wrestling with it. I do think it's really, I do think it's really important to like, yeah, take hold and, and share our stories and, and also like look closely. I mean, we kind of talk about this in our piece that we wrote, like kind of looking closely at your own community um, and seeing where your problems are and how you can be better to your community. And that seems like what mm-hmm. Brittany's um, into as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely hear the criticisms of the whole Me Too movement. Um, like, it is very flawed. It's triggering to a lot of people. Like, I keep seeing people being like, I have to turn off all my social media this week because I just can't deal with it, and that's super legitimate. Um, and also, I mean, it's... It's 
it's though it's pretty personal, it's still kind of impersonal because there can be empathy behind a like, but you, there can also be a like without any empathy. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, hmm. like I, <clears throat> I don't know. It's it's really complicated, but I also think it's unreasonable to expect a perfect response to this, especially from survivors. Like, yeah. I mean, responders don't need to respond at all. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the other thing. And, sort of creates this pressure on people to share their stories when they don't have to they shouldn't have to i mean like you said there are these statistics about women like one in three or whatever i mean this the numbers matter but they also don't because if it was one in a hundred that's too much so yeah it's complicated but i'm i'm far more encouraged by the whole me too thing than i am discouraged So I think that um, from, I've also been paying attention to a lot of the criticism around the Me Too movement. And I would say that I think that there's a role for everyone to play and that you need to find out what your role is. If your role is to not contribute because it's too triggering or um, even if you don't believe in it, that's fine. If, you, if the movement can help you find a way um, to talk about an experience, um, and other people, I mean, just figure out what your role is in, in you know, in the movement. Um, and, and not everyone, um, because it is very frustrating to, to see, uh, you know, that it's becoming, you know, survivor's responsibility um, again, once again, you know, for the 1,000th time on this issue to speak up. Um, but I think that people who kind of want to fall back from it and take a break from it because they're tired, like, that's valid. Mm-hmm. You know, just fall back, take a break. You know, don't engage and let, you know, and allow folks who do want to create dialogue around it do that. Um, So I think that there's a place for everyone um, for it. And I think that all the criticism is valid. If there's no criticism, you know, there's nothing you got. You're not working towards anything if there's not any criticism. Right. And I'll also say another benefit um, to this movement for me um, is the fact that so I I believe that uh, Alyssa Milano, she's an Mm -hmm. actress that's been credited for the. Me Too movement. And um, and so this, a lot of the publicity around this has actually made folks realize that it actually was not Melissa Milano who started that. It was a woman um, named, uh, um, a, a black woman named Tarana Burke. And she um, started this Me Too campaign around sexual assault awareness about 10 years ago. Mm. So um, that goes to show you, and there's a lot of layers to that mm-hmm. about why black women's work is not documented and not recorded. And um, and so the Me Too movement is helping people bring awareness around that issue. If this wouldn't have never happened, we wouldn't have ever, never unknown it, right? Mm-hmm. So that's also another point of, um, another reason of why Not Without Black Women exists is so that we can um, make sure that with black women's work in Baltimore and beyond is being documented while we're working among others on these um, different issues. We actually have um, on Monday, this coming Monday, we have a, um, a campaign shoot that's going to be taking place at the Living Well Center for black women that, um, to come and share their stories so that we can document it through photography um, in, um, in honor of the Me Too movement. Um, so I would say that, you know, despite the criticism, it's, it's given um, a lot of us a, a voice that we've never had before. You know, it, I think about the, the this kind of historical arc. I'm just going to take it back to the 60s. I could take it back further, but I'm just going to take it back to the 60s. 
where it was around legal questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from voting in the 20s to um, women's liberation magazines and, and consciousness growing in the 60s and confronting men in society about that, the, the uh, Equal Rights Amendment that didn't pass mm-hmm. constitutionally in this country in the 70s. Um, and that's a part of the struggle. But a part of the struggle is not about law and changing laws. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying that's not important. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. very critical. Um, but it's not, it's more than law. I mm-hmm. mean, this yeah. is, you know, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's what people are beginning to realize about racism, about how ingrained it is in the marrow of who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this misogyny is ingrained in us men and women, all of us, mm-hmm. because of the, the, yeah. the you know, the, the oppressive nature of it. I mean, that's, it's an uprooting of senses beyond just this question of Laura sitting down and talking to a little boy about how to behave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and also there's all these complexities with law and like who, you know, it's just, there's gonna be all these inequalities. If we're talking about like putting people in prison, like, you know, it's not gonna be all these white dudes who are abusing women or whomever being put in prison and also like whatever <coughs> prison doesn't help people be better so mm-hmm. um yeah i do think yeah it's like it needs to go beyond that like um it needs to there needs to just be this like widespread cultural and social change that and like d- like just change making in the way that we like think of people and <laughs> each other <laughs> and care for each other mm-hmm. like not to be blithe but like yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, like, it goes beyond policy or even what you believe in. Because, I mean, Weinstein was Mm -hmm. a huge Hillary Clinton supporter. And Obama Uh, supporter. And Obama Mm -hmm. supporter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that doesn't mean anything uh, in terms of how you actually treat people. Um, I mean, that could be said of so so many people. Like, sexism, racism, it doesn't know political parties, you know. Definitely. Um, Right. So, doesn't know class, doesn't know any of that yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I and and law, excuse me, laws, um, lawmaking is so tied to that. I just don't think that's how you go about resolving these issues. Mm-hmm. So, so I can remember um, doing some of the work that we were doing at Hollaback, and that was one of the things that once I became co-director. Um, that was one of the things that we really drove and really pushed. One of the points is that the legal system is not going to, you know, all, is not going to be the answer to, um, you know, changing. It's almost as if it's like a culture shift that needs to happen. Um, and I, and again, I think that the Me Too movement is going to help, um, you know, leverage that. Um, as triggering as it is, you know, I, you know, I, I think that um, it's needed. This, this kind of energy is needed. Um, we had the energy before um, for other, you know, other high-profile men in positions in power, and I think that there's something that says um, at, a, at a time like now, I think that it's really um, starting to show that people are just really getting fed up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, mean, I guess it, it, I was thinking about two things here as you all were talking. One was back in the 70s, I worked in Hagerstown prison and I wanted a program I ran was a therapeutic program for people under 21 who were in an adult prison and um, and then we ran a group 
was this a group session we ran. And in that group session, the, guy, as a person became, who was my assistant there in prison and became my friend, we started a theater company in the prison, Charles Dutton, and was one of the people helping me run this group. <clears throat> and what started coming out, I realized how many men that I was working with had committed a sexual assault. They weren't in jail for that. They were in jail for bank robbery, they were in jail for whatever they were in jail for. And then, so we started to shift and have this conversation, try to create a sessions around that. And, and the depth of disdain for women just really blew me away. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. was not prepared for it. Um, I mean, you know, I've been in every situation every man has been in where you, you guffaw and act stupid and do hard things even thinking and talking about it, and that goes on no matter where you are. Mm -hmm. but the depth of it never struck me. And then I started hearing from a lot of women who would work in industry, in finance, in banking, in law, and it's just so deep. Mm -hmm. The question is, for me, that I'm trying to wrestle with, is how you begin to uproot it. The same way how we begin to uproot racism, you know, and that's inside, and, and expose it and destroy it. It's not easy if you're talking about thousands of years of kind of culture yeah. <laughs> that, mm -hmm. of, that have created this. But that's why I think the Me Too thing is so important because it's just, it's exploded this thing. Mm -hmm. that people are having it. You can't turn away from it, which is part mm -hmm. of where we are now. Right. And that's why I guess I'm not asking for answers. I'm just asking mm -hmm. just to, that's why I want to do this series of conversations with people all across just to wrestle with where, where we take this. Mm -hmm. It's not on women either. Right. Right. Yeah. To do it. Yeah. I see men um, on the Internet really stumbling in their <laughs> attempts to um, to respond, um, because I think a lot of men do understand that it's on them. It's not on women to resolve this, um, but they can't figure out how to do it. And it's really awkward to watch mm -hmm. um, on, <laughs> on the Internet, like, um, you know, basically men, you know, saying, I'm sorry. Uh, also, me too. Um, this doesn't just happen to women, which, of course, is true. But, you know, um, shifts the the focus in a place it where it's it. It, it shouldn't be, um, you know, you also see a lot of not all men, mm -hmm. of course. Um, and I, I feel like for however this is going to be resolved for men, um, I mean, on on their part, I don't think it's going to happen on the Internet and social media mm -hmm. because like there's not as much weight in a um, hashtag I will or I'm sorry, I will do better. Um than there is in uh, disclosing your abuse publicly. Um, like, it doesn't take much to do that, really. Um, it As much to do, uh, to say, I, I will do better than it is to say what happened to you. So, um, I don't know. I think that men, if, if men want to help, they can donate to uh, causes that benefit survivors and women. Um, they can you know, obviously rethink everything about how they interact with women. Um, they just kind of, ha you have to reinvent yourself. Yeah, yeah and it's complicated. Uh, it's like 
because I'm thinking of some examples in my head. I'm thinking of like one person who hurt someone that I like love a lot, and I think he's in. I don't want to say that people are not able to change, mm -hmm. but I I think about the people who are really <laughs> going to be really hard to change, who are like just assholes. Like, what do you do about those? Because like I think people, I think some of these men who are disclosing that they some of the people you wrote about, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yes. some I yeah. Um, and, and some of these people I've seen on social media who, some of these men who are like, I'll do better. I think those are people who are receptive and open to it, even if they are like being kind of awkward in their moves towards it. But I, I'm like, there's still like a whole world of like terrible, scary Donald Trump-esque people who actually don't have regard for others, it seems. And, and I, I don't know. I mean, that's maybe like too big of a, <laughs> maybe that's where we have to go back and like think about our local, like, thing but uh, i don't know i just sort of get lost in that train of yeah, thought yeah. as well mm -hmm. but like yeah it's, it's, i just get scared thinking about the horrible <laughs> those really horrible yeah. men that like don't want to change they're too mm -hmm. far gone yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah i think that um and and mark you really talked a lot about this and i think it's a um just to give some context around what you're describing of like the decades upon decades of this you know of sexual violence happening you know it's institutionalized sexism and we don't hear that enough. Yeah, mm -hmm. We don't hear that phrase at all. We don't hear it at all. We don't, that's not a phrase that's used. Mm -hmm. We and hear institutionalized racism, but nobody has dealt with institutionalized sexism. Mm -hmm. right? And right. That, that is something that um, definitely that Not Without Black Women is going, like we are going to amplify in Baltimore because it's such an important thing, especially with black women. Um, you know, our issues intersect, you know, racism, sexism, classism. There is not one issue that hits us. You know that we deal that we deal with, um, and so that's really important to raise. Um, I would encourage, in terms of what men can do, I would I would challenge um, men in their circles right now, um, whether it be in your family, your work life, um, ask you know, <laughs> you're around women all the time. Ask women. Have I ever said anything yeah. to you that was all, that was inappropriate? Have I ever communicated with you in a way that, you know, triggered something? Mm -hmm. Have you ever, you know, um, what do you think about the Me Too movement? Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts or opinions about what's happening? Have I have I done harm? Have I caused harm to you? Mm -hmm. I challenge every man in Baltimore to do that. Yeah. Um, and that's how you start. When I say local, <clears throat> local could mean right at work, right in your living room, um, you know, in whatever whatever social circles you hang in. That to me is what that is about. And one of another um, project that Not Without Black Women is going to be working on is that we are going we are going to be opening, having um, cultivating spaces for men to come and um, to come around in different locations in Baltimore to be able to talk to me and other um, leadership team members about dismantling sexism in their spaces. Um, and again, I understand that that is taking on, you know, survivors um, and advocates taking on the same issues that they've been advocating and working on for years. But again, this is the reason why I feel like the Me Too movement is very um you know, it it it's very inspiring in a lot of ways, and it's um, it, you know, people want to do something, um, and everyone has a role. So that's the role that we're going to be playing, um, you know, moving forward. I really like what you said about challenging men to ask 
um, the women in their lives to like check in with them. I think that's mm-hmm. so important. And like as a woman, I feel really good when a man asks like is considerate enough to ask me a question like that and I just want to echo like that's a really powerful small thing Mm -hmm. easy Mm -hmm. step Mm -hmm. (laughs) any man can do it Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's a very very small you know ask and you know I think that um, you know if there are any men I don't I'm I'm reading a lot of the um, a lot of men's responses and stuff online Mm -hmm. I don't in in my in my social Mm -hmm. media circle I have not seen I've seen more silence mm-hmm. than um than more men coming coming out mm-hmm. but what I do know I do know that there's something you can't you can't be active on social media right now and not see what's going on mm-hmm. like you just can't so that would be my challenge I would challenge men to um check in with check in with with women especially if you know that you know you what you're learning right now what you're seeing even though you're silent um, check in with those who you who you may have harmed. Um, I think that that would be a big, a really big first step. Because I'll tell you, anybody who checks in with me, especially when I know they've caused harm in that in, in that regard, um, you know, being dismissive on issues around sexual violence and rape and that sort of thing, it's you know just asking me, you know, have I caused harm to you? What that little that one question can make a world of difference, yeah. you know. So, yeah. And it's I keep thinking about as you were, were talking about. Um, there's a lot of work to do here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I mean, just a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking about. I think, about, and I was talking to some men about this just recently after this happened, just because we were together on the spot and we were. The question was, this is line between, the reality of, sexuality in our world, between women and women, men and men, men and women, however that rolls. And control, power, and abuse. And that line is really blurred mm-hmm. for most people in this culture, in every culture, I think. I mean, that's part of the problem. And getting under that, um, I mean, your writing and work as artists, your work as in, in Hollerback, those things, what you're talking about, are pushing things to the, the front of the agenda for our attention, mm-hmm. which is really critical. But I think, again, as a man, it's incumbent on men to kind of handle this in a certain way as well, stuff that you all really can't do mm-hmm. because you're not there to do it, right? I mean, if a man says something like, as happened to a, a friend of mine who teaches him in BCAA, she put it on Facebook, man yelled at her across the street, I, I tear your ass up, mm-hmm. right? Which is not an uncommon phrase to hear. That w- women hear when mm-hmm. they're being yelled at, but men hear it all the time when they're in their little groups, mm-hmm. hanging out, having a drink, or just hanging around together. Yeah. You hear somebody do that. Mm-hmm. Right? Locker room talk. What? Locker room talk. Yeah, you could call it that. You know, but I think that that's confronting that is part of it. See, that's what I'm saying. It runs so deep. People just don't even realize that they don't let their consciousness realize what they're actually doing. Have such disregard. Yeah, I think like it's a lack of sensitivity that you know that that like I guess like allows that behavior, um, which is like a problem wrapped up in like especially like toxic masculinity. 
which also needs to be like talked about more among um, among men <laughs> like right um what that actually means or what it looks like or like you know why are you not like dealing with your emotions effectively or why are you lashing out in anger and why are you hurting people around you like these are all things that talk toxic yeah. masculinity kind of provokes yeah i don't know mm-hmm. and it is passed off as locker room talk oh, it's just locker room talk Right. right, exactly. Just yeah. locker room talk, just guys talking. Yeah, yeah. it's just guys talking. It's just, shit, just guys it, talking. Yeah, it's just guys degrading other human beings. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, I don't think many men would say it, but I think a lot of men just don't see women, don't see not, they, they don't see people who are not men as fully human. Um... And that's why it doesn't connect with them that they're being inhumane. Um, because there's so much, um, like, mythologizing about women as, like, of a different species. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that really is so ingrained into a lot of men's minds. Like, m- women are a mystery. We can't connect with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, except, mm-hmm. you know, through power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it seems so unnecessary, but men have to learn that women are humans. <laughs> um, it seems it's really, really discouraging that that's where we have to start because that seems like such a low, low bar, but that's kind of how it is, I think. In some ways, though, it's, it's also the things, the struggles that went before that are forcing what's happening now to take place. Mm-hmm. I mean, the struggles for equality, for like in the 19th, let's talk about America for a moment, in the 19th century, the struggles for the vote, mm-hmm. the struggles to end segregation and what came out of the movement. I mean, the women's movement came out of those movements. It came, yeah. out, came out of the civil rights movement, came out of the anti-war movement, came out of the revolutionary movement in this country with women saying, what? I'm not just going to sit here and type your stuff all the time. What are you talking about? You can't. I mean that 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 that, that that's what kind of exploded it, mm-hmm. and then the depth of it. Just like I think like the you could fight against segregation, but we didn't begin to address the depth of racism until this century as a society. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's happening with around mm-hmm. this issue in some ways, which is deeper because it's so much older mm-hmm. and so much more ingrained in culture. Right. right? That that's the fact that women are now in places where they have to be that, that men no longer can say I run everything mm-hmm. that we're in a place now that has forced this to come to the fore at the moment it is painful it has to happen now but I don't I think that's why it's happening now maybe I'm yeah and being too analytical I don't know <laughs> yeah you know and I and I would I think that one of my um, especially in the work you know over over the years I think one of my focuses really um, you know, thinking about how, you know, as a woman, you're not always seen as human and um, you're, you're seen and in, in in oftentimes, um, you know, men deal with you. They feel like the only way they can deal with you is through like power. And it's like it, it reminds me of like the strong black woman stereotype, mm-hmm. you know, it's like we can take pain. We can um, take abuse and violence, you know, through our work, through our personal and professional relationships. Um, and that is something that I feel like the Me Too movement has definitely encouraged a lot of um, black women to speak up, um, you know, because it's like we're not these mystical 
creatures and these paintings mm-hmm. and all, you know, and movies, you know, <laughs> and um, with no feeling, no heart, you know, we, we, we breathe just like you do, you know, just like everyone else. And I, I think that there is a lot of layers to this, um, you know, this idea, you know, even given in, you know, in, um, you know, social activist movements, you know, even right now, you know, you got, you know, women on the front lines and, you know, women with kids and, you know, out just out there marching and all this other stuff. And it's just like this, the, the, the strong black woman stereotype is a false narrative it, it, and it needs to die. It literally needs to go away. Yeah. Um, because I, I would think that that's one of the reasons as to why there are so many black women right now resonating with the Me Too movement um, is for that is for that very reason, you know, um, of being told oftentimes that, you know, your 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 race is, you know, race first. You know, racism is what, you know, and dismantling white supremacy and which is all very it's all very true. I just think that we need to figure out a way um, because obviously we aren't going anywhere unless you figure out a way to center women, um, you know, black, especially black women and women of color, um, trans women. Um, we're not going anywhere unless we figure that out. Yeah. So I think that this is serving as a, as a perfect example of why we need to pause and say, you know, we are not where we want to be right now. Let's figure out, let's backtrack, let's talk, let's have some dialogue, let's figure out some ways and how we can really get to what has been silently erupting for decades. And also, this is not new, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The sex, you know, sexism and patriarchy and dismantling the stuff, um, the Kambahi River Collective. You know, I mean, all of this is not new. So we should actually, I would actually suggest that we stop and we look at history and figure out what, listen, read, read and really um, internalize what people of our past, our ancestors of our past tried to teach us for now to help us come up with a model or a blueprint for us to develop some kind of accountability mechanism for our spaces here locally in Baltimore. Well, I, I, I really would appreciate if we, I'd like to continue these dialogues and these podcasts in a larger way, and I'd like to cross generations and also cross genders mm-hmm. <laughs> in these dialogues as we build them. And, and I really hope y'all will come back and do some of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I think we really have to do that. I'm ready when you are. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm Always. ready. <laughs> I'm ready. This has been great. Uh, I, I appreciate the beginning of this. You helped us launch this, and uh, we're going to come back to this. This is a kind of I think we really have to get down deep mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and ferret this out and, and change the nature of who we are. I think we're at we're a very dangerous but good place. Mm-hmm. That's, that's old man talking. <laughs> I'd say that's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I agree to that too. Yeah. I second that. Brittany Oliver, Mark Callahan, Rebecca Kirkman, thanks for coming today. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. This program was produced and edited by Calvin Perry with assistance from our intern, Nora Belbidia. You can download the podcast and more at stanishow.org and on iTunes or on your favorite podcasting app. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for The Mark Steiner Show. And please let us know what you think. 
write me at mark at steinershow.org. We'll be back in a couple more days with a brand new podcast.